You're listening to Behind the Headlines, a weekly news talk show hosted by the Express News Group, publishers of the Southampton Press, the East Hampton Press, the Sag Harbor Express, 27East.com, and SagHarborExpress.com, and featuring distinguished journalists from the East End to discuss what's news on the North and South Forks of Long Island. Program airs on WLIWFM 88.3 on Saturday mornings at 10 and repeats on Sundays at 1 p.m. I'm Bill Sutton. I'm the managing editor of the Express News Group. I'm joined this week by my co-host, Annette Hinkle, the arts and living editor of the Express News Group, who's sitting in for Joe Shaw, who is once again visiting family in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. We wish Joe a happy holiday. Um, good morning, Annette. Hey, Bill. Hey. How are you? Good. So we're joined this week by um, by our most regular guest, Denise Civiletti, editor and publisher of Riverhead Local. Good morning, Denise. Good morning. Season's greetings. Good morning. Steve Wick, executive editor of the Times Review Media Group. Good morning, Steve. Good morning, everyone. And Beth Young, editor and publisher of the East End Beacon. Good morning, Beth. Good morning, Bill. Um, so I guess, you know, we're, we're, here we go again. Let's let's um, talk about COVID. I wish we didn't have to, but it just feels like mm -hmm. um, with the new mask mandate, um, and and the you know the spike in numbers like numbers are are slowly quickly approaching uh where we were again last year at this time um it, it's just it's getting not that it was never not scary but it's getting scarier again it just seems so frustrating it felt like there was a light at the end of the tunnel for a while and now we're just back in this omicron variant which um i read an article um, I read an article the other day, I think it was uh, NPR, that, that says that the vaccine protection for the Omicron um, may drop to 30 um, percent. It does, in, in fact, cut the severity of his disease. So if you're vaccinated, you probably won't end up dying or, or in the hospital. But that's a that's a pretty low number that that the vaccine only is offers 30 percent protection as opposed to 70 percent protection for um, you know, for, for Delta and, and the other other variants, it's just um, um, I read an article in the Times today that, you know, companies are canceling their holiday parties. Luckily, we had ours the other night, but now I'm scared that I went <laughs> a little bit and and people are just going backwards. I know, Steve, you mentioned that some school districts are going remote again. Yeah, as I was leaving the office last night, someone came in to say East Rockaway School District is now going to go fully, uh, fully virtual. And that just scares the hell out of parents. I mean, this is just, you know, this is almost two years. What's it, two years in February or March? Yeah. And we yeah. can't get past this. We just, we can't agree on anything in this country. We can't accomplish anything together. And here we are all this time later, 800,000 deaths, 800,000 deaths. And kids getting crappy educations if they have to sit at home. And it just, you know, I talked to a guy the other day who said he was very, very conservative. He said it just strikes him that America is a country in complete decline, that we just can't work our way out of anything. How did how did how did this get political? I mean, we've had this discussion before. But well, how did, I mean, just, how, just take a look at our first district congressman's press releases this week in which yeah. he changes the mandate and talks about medical freedom. Why doesn't he talk about personal responsibility? There you go. Uh, why doesn't he ever go down that road? I, I don't understand anything uh, he puts out on this subject. To him, it's your freedom not to. Well, we have responsibility to the people around us, but he doesn't ever strike that note. And yeah, I think it feels like if the messaging had been a little different when the vaccines first came out, this would not be an issue. But it was, you know, it was made a political day one. God, it's just unbelievable that we can't ever make progress on this and then to see a congressman running for governor saying the things he says is is to me really um really demoralizing yeah i mean he was all in at the beginning about getting ppe for healthcare workers pictures of him delivering masks and yeah. now he's against them just don't make him wear one <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> Well, he says he's not against them. It's he says it's you know an individual's choice, and you know I, I agree. I agree with uh, Steve. I think you know the principal um, advantage of the mask is prevention of um, transmission, and it does prevent respiratory viruses from being transmitted to other people from infected people. 
I think I was just reading a study that, you know, it, it's like indisputable now. Like there wasn't a whole lot of evidence before the COVID pandemic, but now they've got tons of evidence and it is indisputable that it prevents if you're infected and you don't wear a mask, your chances of infecting someone else are way higher than if you are wearing a mask. Um, so have we heard, have I, we heard anything about Omicron and how it's affecting unvaccinated people versus vaccinated? You know, I just wonder, was there some talk that this spreads a lot more easily, but it's not as deadly as the previous Delta virus? It's not as deadly in ter- or, or in terms of having to go to the hospital. But it, when you look at these sports teams that have just been nailed by this thing, right. I think most of them, are vaccinated so they're coming out positive but not in such a way that they you know they're they're terribly bedridden or heading to the hospital but i think it's it's crossing over into the vaccinated ranks i don't absolutely i I think some of some of i mean i haven't seen a a lot of of numbers on that but i mean a lot of the the studies were were uh, you know south african population where this originated and you know, the, the thing that was noted there is that most people in there had, had already had COVID. So, I mean, even if so, if they had COVID and then they were vaccinated and then they were still getting, you know, the Omicron and it was it was obviously less deadly. But them having previously had COVID kind of kind of spiked their immunity up. So I don't I don't know if, if there's studies or numbers yet in people who are who are unvaccinated to, to begin with. So what about the hospitalizations? Do we, what do we do? We know are those going up locally, and do we know what yeah. population? Yes, is? yeah, they absolutely and, are uh, statewide and, we, and, and in Suffolk County. Do we know if those people are are largely unvaccinated who are ending up in the hospital with this? I don't think we know. We don't, what we it don't know locally. We still yeah. continue to say it's a disease of the unvaccinated, but clearly, it's not entirely true. I think the positivity rate in Suffolk on Sunday was like six point six percent. Whereas in the city where they had mandates, it was like 2.7%. So obviously mandates work. Yeah, but it, it went, the numbers, it, it actually the numbers are way, over 9% this week too. Uh, the numbers yeah. in the city went way up though. The numbers yeah. are like 40% in the city now with, and, and I think that. Um, I think it was SantaCon. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so the thing is though, I mean, we don't know definitively if what's going on here in, the, in New York say is um, Omicron driven. Yet. We don't really know that yet, but it seems that way. Right. I mean, yeah, the Omicron variant arrived and yeah. And so yeah. it's like, you know, there's been this kind of explosion. I mean, look, there's, you know, a thousand people on the campus of Cornell upstate that came down with COVID and they're like 100 percent vaccinated. Um, we also don't know how um, virulent it's going to be when you take a lot of older people into account. You know, like a lot of the infections so far have been younger people that that are being reported. Um, But it's, you know, the numbers have just skyrocketed and uh, hospitalizations, you were saying, are are up. Um, uh, You know, they're like double from two weeks ago there. Yeah. I mean, I you know, I did like a 30 day review and the hospitalizations like a seven day average. um, They are up uh, like almost double from. Um, more than double, sorry, from math challenge a month a month ago. Um, yeah. it, locally here at Peconic Bay Medical Center, uh, they were like in the single digits. Now they're pushing 20. Um, fewer fewer um, uh, intensive care cases, though. Um, so maybe that's a good sign. I thought that I'm- yesterday the governor and the state health commissioner made a really good point about how even if it's a, a less severe, even if it produces less severe disease because of the exponential increase, I'm not a math person, but the exponential increase, and they had that graphic that showed, you know, 10 generations of uh, infection and how you went from one, if it's like a one to two infection ratio versus one to four, because they think Omicron is twice as infectious or twice as transmissible. Um, how you end up after 10 generations with like a few thousand on the one to one on the one to two of like 2000 total infections and 205 hospitalizations. But with a one to four infection ratio, you end up with almost 1.4 million cases. Yeah. And 10 and, generations happens quickly. When yeah. It's yeah. Exactly. And, and 
almost 14,000 new hospitalizations. So that's what they were saying. The real worry is that if it's only 1% gets requires hospitalization with Omicron, you still end up with 14,000 hospitalizations and that's can overwhelm our hospitals in New York state. And that's and, the, and very the real soon. fear. Yeah. And, and, and it can soon. happen so quickly. Yeah. So every time you go to get a COVID test, do they test to see what strain that you have? I'm just wondering. Like, they how do they know? They randomly test certain, um, a certain, certain percentage. percentage of them. So I, I was looking at, at the and New that, York Times. I was looking at the New York Times, and certainly more is going to be revealed with Omicron in, in the United States. And you're seeing, you know, mass spikes of Omicron in, in European countries right now, but still in the United States, it's, it's kind of low, but increasing quickly. And it said, um, it said that nationally, the share of cases caused by Omicron has increased to 2.9% from uh, 0.4% in just a week. Um, so, so I mean, that's just, it just you're going to see those numbers um, spiking and spiking and spiking, especially with, you're, you're going to see a holiday spike, um, you know, in, in the next few weeks. And a lot of that's going to be Omicron. They, you know, the U.S. certainly isn't going to escape it. But facing a crisis like that, Bill, and then the fear of parents that schools are about to close again, why would a political voice, why would someone running for a high office uh, say, uh, I'm totally against mandates that are absolutely wrong? Why would, what, what's the, why do that? He's, he's appealing to, to, to a base that is, is still skeptical. And, and I'll, I'll, you know, on, on a personal note, so a, a relative of mine who had been um, reluctant to, to get vaccinated, finally got vaccinated this week. Thank you. Um, you know, but but she posted it on Facebook that she had gotten vaccinated and she got vaccinated because she's living with somebody who's, you know, immunocompromised um, right now and, and posted it on Facebook. And the first comment was, well, good luck with that, because everybody in the hospital right now has been vaccinated. So expect yeah, expect that the quote was expect to get covid expect to get covid because you got vaccinated. I mean, that's just it, it's just it's it's insane. It, it's just really I, I don't. I don't get. I don't, I don't get the hostility. How, it, how do you gain when you're running for the highest office in the state, talking like this? Yeah, well, sort of. Well, you know, we all said the same thing about Donald Trump five Trump five years ago, and and look what happened there. So, you know, there's there's people who believe that rhetoric and people who get behind it, and you know, as as Annette said, it's just militant. And, asking people to do it has not worked. Yeah. yeah. Right. And I think, you know, people have not been able to to, uh, I don't know, accept, understand or whatever. The fact that this has been from the very beginning a, a very evolving situation. Right. Like things have changed. And it's like that plays into like those changes play into the, the TV uh, talk hosts on uh, Fox News. And now I guess Newsmax or whatever else, too. But like, you know, the so-called so-called conservative, because they're not really conservative. Um, uh, media that uh, that have crafted a narrative that, you know, there's all of the, you know, they were wrong right along because the messaging has been kind of mixed, you know? So, so when people are works. saying everybody's at in the hospital has COVID, it's, it's a combination of what, what Tucker Carlson and those people and Laura Ingram are saying on Fox and what, you know, gets spread around on social media. And then you've got, you know, people like uh, Congressman Zeldin, who's running for governor, kind of fueling that fire, I think. Right. And that's what you're saying, Steve. Like, it's, you know, I, I don't know what point that is other than it's um, political, uh, you know, pandering. And I think, you know, political uh, trying to take advantage of the situation for self doesn't he have smart people, Denise, who sit down with him and say, you know, lots more people are going to die. Lots more hospitals are going to be overwhelmed. Maybe this isn't a good thing to say. I also don't understand, like, how is this messaging going to help him win the governorship? I mean, I don't know if there's enough people that buy into that to get him elected. There's some enthusiasm yet. Well, he likes the red mm -hmm. wave that just happened in November on Long Island. So yeah. Yeah. And he thinks he can win all of upstate. So if he can get a, I don't know, a third of the, the downstate, he can win. I don't know. I, uh, I don't know how you overcome the New York City numbers, but you know, as as it spikes in New York City too, then you know, then then you know, I don't know. People 
people think strange things, I guess. It always seemed to me, though, that what he really wanted was to run against Andrew Cuomo. Right. Um, yes, I think you're right. And beat him. Well, yeah. Now that that's <laughs> out, maybe he's just trying he's still out. still running against Andrew Cuomo. He is kind <laughs> yeah. of still, yeah. I think what he really wanted was to beat him. Maybe he could run against he Chris, the too. governor in his face. I think this week he called uh, Hochul Cuomo 2.0. Yeah. Actually. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, look, you know. Well, but that but that makes sense because if he, if he can frame her as Cuomo, then that he can you know he can he can just um, continue the the same rhetoric that that he's been that he's been saying since since he first announced his run, which was all anti Cuomo stuff. I mean, you know, Zeldin. I said this in the beginning. Zeldin's not a stupid guy. Like he's you know he's not. Um, he's got, I think, a pretty sophisticated political operation around him. I think, you know, the state Republican Party is pretty sophisticated. And I think that, you know, they must have polling data to show that this plays to his core, you know, the core that they need they need to shore up. Um, I, you know, I, I guess we don't see it, but we're certainly not members of that core group, I guess. Um, so. I don't know how he overcomes the Democratic monolith of New York City, but uh, stranger things have happened. Do, do we think he, he even, you know, do we do we think he thinks he will? I mean, you know, if, if Joe Shaw were here, he would he would repeat his, um, you know, his, his prophecy that, that Lee Zeldin is 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 positioning himself for some other position, um, perhaps on one of those um, conservative news stations that you were talking about, Denise, or or in some other situation well, where again. Well, he, he could. Trump's starting his own network, right? Isn't that the theory? Yeah. So maybe he'll get a slot there. I don't know, but I feel like, you know, that kind of rhetoric and, and, you know, politics and public health do not mix. No. And whenever those two things are mixed together, the results are disastrous. And, you know, whether it's Zeldin or anybody else, like, you know, I can I just also say, where has Balone been in this? Like, it's like radio silence from Hopog. You've yeah. got like more than a dozen Republican, um, you know, county executives standing with Zeldin and other people saying we're not enforcing this mandate. Right. Um, and. You know, we've got Balone, who, I mean, he was having briefings every day last year. I mean, like, he's just been so silent on this. And I have asked several times now, well, like three times for comment, like, are you going to enforce this? I think you had the same result, too, uh, Steve. I saw in the paper that, uh, yeah, they didn't respond to a request for comment. Yeah, but they don't even answer you. And, and his, his aide's response, Denise, was absolutely preposterous. Well, we're going to educate people. So basically, the mandate isn't a mandate at all anymore. Yeah, yeah. It's just I didn't even get that out of him. I just got nothing. Like I, I no answer whatsoever. You know. But he's. But I'm he, on their. I'm on their bed. I'm on their naughty list right now. So. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, since we're behind the headlines, I think that's something worth mentioning. How when um, you know different politicians get mad at reporters or public whole publications. I mean, we've experienced that. We've all experienced that. Um, how they just kind of like, you know, they try to punish you by icing you out and not responding to requests for comment on simple things or just like kind of jerking you around. Am I allowed to say that on the air? Like, yeah, I think so. Yeah, we've all experienced that. And um, so I'm, I'm on the, uh, the hop hog naughty list right now for a column that was published a couple months ago. It sort of felt to me that Balone still is thinking about running for something on a larger scale and that well, he, doesn't, yeah. <laughs> he doesn't want to fall into either pool. They get right. this, believe in mandates. I don't believe in he, he's he's kind of straddling the whole thing by saying, well, we'll educate people. He wants a larger. Again. Yeah. I, I mean, again, politics and public health. Don't and when those two things butt heads, public health loses. I doing. just, you know, yeah. I don't know. It's, true. it's frustrating. So all we can do then is is try to ourselves ignore the politics and just educate people ourselves. And you know the best thing to do get vaccinated, wear masks, um, you know, and, and all that. I, I do. Do you think we're we're heading toward another lockdown? Do you do you think there there's going to be? I mean, if the numbers keep going up, you know. I think if the numbers keep going up, I wor I worry about our office. I worry about you know. All these places now closing again. 
Yeah. Going remote again. Um, here we go again. And there's not going to be another billion dollars of PPP free grants given out to businesses right. the place that don't even have to repay it. Some of them took the money and never even hired people back. Right. So it seemed to me there was a giant scam on that too. So I, I don't see floods of money coming in. So my bet would be that Omicron notwithstanding, they don't do lock, lock, lockdowns anymore. Yeah, I don't think the politicians have the stomach for that. They just no, don't. I, I, I agree again, completely. Again, that comes back to the politics and there was just so much resistance but to you, it. And just to ask everyone on this line, let's say there's a holiday concert you want to go to this Saturday, tomorrow night in Greenport, which, which there is one, and I was kind of like to go. Would you go? I would probably go and wear my mask. Yeah. No, my mother went to one last Friday night and she won't go to the one this week. She's changed her opinion that quickly. So I wouldn't go. I, I'm trying to avoid cr any crowded indoor space or spaces with poor ventilation. I will, you know, the Riverhead Town Hall meeting room for one. I'm watching the, the meetings on, on Yeah, there's no air in that room. The ventilation system is it's terrible terrible it's tank the hvac system needed to be replaced 10 years ago and you know people i, I don't know what's happened since the supervisor came out and said we have we masks are required because um you know masks had been required unless you were vaccinated or whatever and like nobody was wearing masks in, inside town hall i mean um and um i you know i look and there's no social distance they're supposed to be social distancing they mark the seats you know but that doesn't that that's ignored. So I was like, I, you know, I love my work. I really do. I'm really committed to it, but I'm I'm not going to get gravely ill because of it. And anything I can do to avoid that, I mean, unless there's like some real emergency that I needed to like handle. <laughs> but uh, you know, to sit in a town board meeting I, and that under those circumstances and and risk contracting this so virus and infecting my immunocompromised daughter. Not well, well, that, well, that's it right there. I'm I'm okay going to the concert. I feel I feel pretty good being triple vaxxed and yeah. and, and knowing that if I contract it, it's probably not going to be horrible. But but I'm worried about contracting it and then giving it to other people, and and that's my my main concern. So I don't. I, I think I, I think it's also worth mentioning that you know me being the arts editor, all of the the entertainment venues that I have gone to from. I went to a Broadway show in the fall and I, you know, I've done been to things at Bay street and um, you know, guild hall, the, the protocols there are so strict that I feel that going to one of those makes me feel a lot more comfortable than maybe going to a town board meeting where I know people are going to refuse to wear masks. You know, like you I, cannot I, walk in to any of these entertainment venues without showing your vaccination card. Yeah, and right. sometimes they're checking your temperature and you have to wear a mask the whole time. And it's sort of like they're, they're all following like what the Broadway standards are. And like, yeah, even but, going but there were a bunch of Broadway right shows that were canceled this week too. Yeah, that's right. Break, but break I wonder through. if that was, before, was that because of the cast members? I wonder. Oh, it was the cast members and, and I'm assuming they're all vaccinated. So it's, it's breakthrough infections. So, I mean, that's but the cast members aren't wearing masks. That's the other thing when they're on stage together. So I could almost see it spreading more easily that way than from yeah. audience members who are triple checked when they walk in, but. Oh boy. So here we go again. So do yeah. I go to a concert in Greenport Saturday night? So where is it? Who's who's hosting it? It's at Holy Trinity. It's on, indoors. On Main Street. Well, I, I, I hope that they continue to put the show on that they get enough audience members to make it worthwhile, and I'm sure it's a benefit to to the church. Are they requiring the masks? So that's the other thing. Are they checking that at the door? Thinking that all morning. A, are they going to? Is it going to be? You can't come in without a mask. You can't yeah. come in without the card. I mean, I, yeah. I don't think they're doing anything like that because this. They planned this like a month ago when things were looking a lot better. Yeah. Um, now this new variant is just sweeping across the land. I don't know what to do. I think probably I won't go. I think we're all facing that uh, that same question right now. I would I would find out if they're gonna if they're requiring masks in in the venue and um, proof of also what kind of uh, distancing there, there will be yeah. between people. Yeah. Chances yeah. are the distancing is not going to be there, but. I don't think the distancing in the pews will be there, mm -hmm. Denise, but I think the yeah. mask will be required. And I'm going to assume it's an, presumably an older group going to a, a Baroque concert, whatever it is, that they're going to be vaccinated. But uh, it, 
if, the venues, if they even, that, even the venues that um that tend to attract older crowds i think have had some trouble getting their um their people back to to them mm-hmm. um, i went to a concert a couple of weeks ago that skews an older audience and it wasn't there it wasn't all that well attended so i do feel like the older crowd is being a lot more cautious about going to things like this you're listening to behind the headlines on wliw fm 88.3 um airing saturday mornings at 10 and repeating sundays at 1 p.m i'm bill sutton managing editor of the express news group joined by my co-host annette hinkle arts and living editor of the express news group our panelists today denise civiletti editor and publisher of riverhead local steve wick executive editor of the times review media group and beth young editor and publisher of the east end beacon we could probably talk for uh, the rest of the show about covid but let's move on a little bit um, not, yeah. to, to, to a story that hopefully by the time this airs, um, we're recording this on Friday, hopefully by the time this airs uh, tomorrow on Saturday will be old news and, um, and, a, and a non-story. But, um, you know, we posted a little something uh, the, this morning. Um, so there was this TikTok threat. This is like a nationwide thing that, right. that had been reposting these TikTok videos threatening and violence in schools across the country um, on today, on, on Friday, um, on Friday, December 17th. Um, we got notices from various police departments and school districts. The school districts and police are aware of the situation. There's going to be increased police presence at schools and districts are, are looking out for it. Um, there were, even though the um, the social media posts were reposted locally. It doesn't seem that there were any credible threats to any uh, direct local school districts. Um, but it's just <laughs> again, and I'm, I'm flabbergasted by by the story and just what's what's going on with social media and and with these kids and and how does any kid. I mean, I know kids are kids, teenagers are, are are weird, but how does anybody think it's a good idea to to repost the, this thing, you know, calling for the cancellation of school today and threatening violence in school districts, especially in light of, of you know, just, you know, all the school shootings, but but the recent school shooting, you know, two weeks ago. Um, I, I, I don't know. I mean, we, we saw this last night too, the Riverhead School District sent out um, an email to parents and they posted this notice on, on the school web district website. Um, I was like on the fence about whether or not to write anything about it. I, I mean, I kind of figured all of the parents were notified about this already and I was worried about amplifying it. I wasn't sure what to do. Um, I, I just, um, you know, it's almost like, like modern day phoned in bomb threats right do you know what i mean like trying to get the school closed by like you know there's a bomb in the school and everybody i mean this is like they're using technology to and but but it's not like when we were doing that there were actual bombs going off in schools i mean there's there's a difference there between that i mean this is something that Homeland National Homeland Security is investigating these threats because it's just because it's nationwide and yeah they've got to I mean I I haven't heard anything yet this morning but I've kind of been in uh, COVID land for a while working on a story but um, I think anything going on anywhere else in the country with this or no I think think everybody said that it's not credible and. Homeland Security and FBI came out and, and said that they didn't think it was credible, but but you can't you can't ignore it in, in light of you know all the national it already happened. Yeah, mm-hmm. I I just I, I just I I don't get it. Um, and you know yeah. again, hopefully it's a it's a non-story. But so is this is this something with social media that we're just gonna? I mean, we've had social media conversations before. Is this just part of the new? The new world and the new normal with with social media where everybody's got a you know everybody's got a voice and can put this stuff out there and and just create this um fear you know, and, same and stupid reason i was waiting on a, a reporter to file a story a couple nights ago and i was looking for something in uh, a 1939 radio broadcast of a christmas carol came up narrated by orson wells <laughs> And I, maybe I listened to the first two minutes of it before the story came in, but 
I just kept thinking, wow, 1939, no Facebook, no Twitter, no social media, no TikTok, people sitting around the living room listening to the radio. But you did have War of the Worlds, don't forget, which yeah, caused a very exactly. similar kind of panic. That's where you're going. <laughs> but talk about a different world, you know. But you but, only had you only had three or four radio stations to listen to. That's right. right. So everybody everybody, agreed, with, everybody agreed on the same conspiracy theory. <laughs> <laughs> Those days are gone. Well, I mean, days are definitely people, gone. Yeah, I, I agree with you. So crazy. Yeah. I mean, like there used to be a conspiracy theory about you know who killed President Kennedy, but now the conspiracy theory is he's not really dead. <laughs> like how do we get there like, what? And, and he's a republican now <laughs> what's this new one that birds are not really birds and they're actually drones that are spying on us that's the other yeah. one yeah. that was fun. a joke though that was a no, joke i don't think it's a joke i think no, it was it was they, they, it was a joke it was they did it on purpose yeah. just to show the the insanity of social yeah. media yeah. And, and how people believe these but things. now there's a whole bunch of followers that believe how it how yeah. you know, conspiracy <laughs> theory that those kids weren't really shot and killed yeah, yeah. Right. that's well, what started all of this. Yeah. Really, that, that was is, Alex Jones. Yeah. Really, the other thing that's yeah. kind of scary is how some of these social media groups amplify and give credence to groups that should be ostracized, like the whole incel movement. You know, that involuntary celibate. You know, these are they're guys who think that um, the government should provide them with women and that women are just to be used however they want or whatever. And normally it'd be like, Oh, that guy's weird. Just stay away from him. And now that guy is finding other guys just like him across the country and that are validating his opinion of women. Um, So that's the thing is these movements tend to be able to grow because you can connect with people who are far flung and also a little bit off. Um, right, a hundred years ago, if you felt that way, you kept it to yourself and, and did right. anything. Why does the media cover it? If they didn't cover it, they'd probably go away, wouldn't they? No, they I don't think find, so. They would still find each other. Social media, they still find, they find each other. Still out there, find whether the other weather, yeah, or, whether the news is covering it or not, these groups are like you know forming on Facebook and other places. So oh they're finding each uh, other. So back to the, the this school thing, and Denise, you you had said you had contemplated whether to post it or not, and I think yeah. we we did, and we decided to 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 post it. But I I felt the same thing. It's like keep it keep it brief, just to to share the information if anybody hasn't hasn't seen it and it's most likely not a, a credible threat, but you don't want to add to any hysteria. You don't want to, you know, to, to get people, you know, parents upset and, and all that. So it's a fine line. I mean, you went one way, we yeah. went the other way. And I think both answers are, are correct, but, but what do you do with these situations? Yeah, that's, that's, it's not an easy decision. And, you know, I'm uh, depending on what time something like this comes up, I'm usually I, I may be debating only with myself, you know. Yeah. Which oh. I, <laughs> I, mean, I sort of hear the voice in my head saying, "Why did you post that?" I mean, it's it's something yeah. that happened somewhere else. Um, parents are already scared to death, but I don't know where the line is at this point. Yeah. Um, you, you need people to know stuff, and you're not sure that you need to know anything. I, I'm confused anymore about what is and what isn't. Yeah. I think my my thinking was if parents show up to drop off their kids at school and they see a bunch of cops there and are wondering what's going on and they haven't seen, you know, the note from the school district. Oh, I think every school district sent out a note last night, but but then at least it helps. Maybe it, it eases their mind and helps them understand what's going on. Anyway, um, OK, so let's change course a little bit. Annette, you you did a great story. Um, you spoke to uh, to Tony Walton about his life and his career um, as as a new retrospective show of his artwork opened up this week. Really an interesting conversation. You want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, so Tony Walton, I don't know if, if everybody knows who he is, but he is a famed costume and set designer um, who um, he splits his time, I think, between Sag Harbor and New York City. And um, and he was Julie Andrews' first wife. So they met when they were teenagers. And he is the father of Emma Walton Hamilton, who co-founded the Bay Street Theater. Um, so he's got a long uh, connection in history to Sag Harbor. And Tony's getting up there in age. He's had some health issues lately. And um, I think that 
they, uh, the family felt this was a really good time for a retrospective of his designs. Um, so Mark Borgie Gallery in Sag Harbor last week opened up a retrospective exhibition of Tony Walton's designs. And it's pretty cool. I went to the opening last week with mask, by the way. And um, and it's so Tony is one. He won um, three Tony Awards for uh, Pippin, Guys and Dolls, House of, of Blue Leaves. He won an Oscar for all that jazz. Um, he won an Emmy for his designs on the death of a salesman with Dustin Hoffman. Um, so the only thing he hasn't won is a Grammy, I guess, at this point. Um, so he's just one of these guys. And he's a really, a really interesting um, character. I've known him for a number of years, just through my connection to Sag Harbor and the theater. And um, he's also illustrated books that um, Julie Andrews and Emma Walton Hamilton put out. They're no longer married. They Julie Andrews and Tony Walton split up in 1968, but they've remained very close friends. And um, um, and, and one in, day, both in um, Sag Harbor, right? Yeah, both in Sag Harbor. And and um, Tony's um, second wife is Jen Leroy Walton, and there uh, and Jen's daughter is Bridget Leroy, who everybody knows out here. So it's a very um, it's a very small community. But one time, a Tony Walton walks into the office at the Sag Harbor Express, and he's just looking around. He's like, "Do you mind if I take a look around?" I'm like, "No, go ahead." And he's looking around and taking notes. I'm like, "Are you are you doing a book that's going to have the Sag Harbor Express?" Are you buying the newspaper? <laughs> are you buying the newspaper? <laughs> so it turns out that he was actually illustrating a book that um, Julie Andrews and Emma Walton Hamilton were writing together called Dumpy the Dump Truck. It's a series of kids books about a little boy that loves trucks. And um, there was a scene in this book that took place in a newspaper office. So he actually uh, used the Sag Harbor Express as his model for that book. And when it came out, it was great because there was a little Brian Boyhan bearded figure there. And then all these attractive women that I guess were <laughs> us, but I'm not sure how much liberty he took with that. And on the wall were all of the little DIPA awards that um, the paper had won. So it was really adorable. And the best thing was like, um, uh, after the book came out, Tony actually came in with like the, um, the rough of the, I guess the, the print, you know, mechanical of the book. And he gave me the page of the um, express office and signed it to me. So I thought that was, he was oh, just cool. very, he's just a very thoughtful guy that way. So what, um, a great, so what a great place that we live in that we have yeah, all, so all these, I mean, and not just, you know, just so many, so many people of, of stature just kind of hanging around and interacting and, it's and just really, sort of wandering into the newspaper office. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so if you have a chance and you're in Sac Harbor, it's just fascinating because there, you know, there's like a costume designs that he did for Whoopi Goldberg and um, when she was in um, a funny thing happened on the way to the forum and um, amazing drawings of Uncle Vanya, which is the checkoff play that um, he did all of the, the costumes for that. And just, you know, just all of these really great little treasures of sketches yeah. and, and design. He did the set design, as you know, for men's lives, the uh, Joe. Yes. Uh, and it was he had found the wreckage of an old dory on the dunes and he just put it on the stage. Yeah, that was great. Spectacular. That was wonderful. Yeah. Really, really cool. I think that Dory is now outside the museum. I mean, outside the the Bay Street Theater. I think it sits in the, it's like in the the landscaping there. Yeah. Yeah, And then Dan King's old Dory sits in front of the museum in in East Hampton. But he, I I was watching the original um, Murder on the Ori Express the other night that came out in the early 60s, and he was the production designer on that. (laughs) So he's really had an amazing career. Amazing. Yeah, he's a great guy. So I, if you're at Sag Harbor, you just stop by. I mean, even if you don't know a lot about the Where is that gallery? Now? It's called Mark Borgie Gallery, B-O-R-G-H-I. And it's um, it's a couple doors down from the Sag Harbor IGA on that side of the street. Okay. Um, so, I definitely want to go see that. Can, can yeah. I just say that, that I've, you know, I've been on Eastern Long Island for 25 years and I don't yet have any um celebrity stories to encounter stories to tell so if there's anybody out there you know you know <laughs> of note that wants to stop by the southampton press office and say hi and do some sketches or whatever um i'm happy to to entertain that but bill you just have to start hanging out with me more that's all i, I really wish i i could in that. go to art gallery okay? yeah. <laughs> yeah by the way yeah julie andrews was at the opening by the way so i, uh, I bet bridget Leroy was, was too rubbing yeah bridget was bridget was there of course um so often, often a guest again, it? what was that she's who again she's the daughter of bridget Leroy is the daughter of jen Leroy walton who is tony's second wife okay um 
But Bridget's also, you know, been very involved and she was one of the original people on the independent newspaper. And uh, now she's writing for James Lane Post and and a, and a uh, frequent guest on Behind the Headlines. Yeah. Yeah. So you are listening to Behind the Headlines on WLIW 88.3. I'm Bill Sutton. I'm the managing editor of the Express News Group. My co-host today, uh, Nat Hinkle. Um, Arts and Living Editor of the Express News Group. We're joined by Denise Cibaletti, Editor and Publisher of Riverhead Local, Steve Wick, Executive Editor of the Times Review Media Group, and Beth Young, Editor and Publisher of the East End Beacon. So there was um, another bad crash in, in Riverhead this week, a, a, a fatal crash. I think the, the gentleman was, was 80 years old, if I have that right. 85. 85. And, and the town's now talking about um, that, that one one intersection and changes they can do to to make it a little safer. There have been a number of accidents there. There have there have been quite a number and quite a number of accidents that are like uh, rollover crashes and things like that, too. And T-bones. Uh, it's a it's a weird intersection. It's not that far from my house, actually, but um, it's um, people for one reason or another seem to assume it's a four way stop a lot. And which intersection know, people, is it? It's it's uh, Horton and Reeves, okay. and um, it's it, there. People, there's a stop on each side of uh, Reeves. There's a stop sign at, at, but Horton does not have a stop sign. And for one reason or another, we've heard that. I went back and looked yesterday at we've covered at least six really serious crashes wow. there, that air lifts and different things in the last like you know eight years or so, um, and um, you know. Uh, the police said yesterday that this gentleman didn't stop at the stop sign. Um, so I I don't think that he would fall. If that's the case, I don't think that falls into the category of he thought it was a four way stop. But that's what we hear from a lot of people. And so now the town board yesterday was talking about possibly making it a four way stop intersection or some other measures, putting flashing light there. Um, people, you know, on Horton Avenue, it's a straight run between middle road and um and sound avenue and it's not a well-trafficked road so people who are driving on horton avenue are generally going pretty fast you know yeah. and then these cars try to cross and uh there's t-bones rollovers and things like that and this car <laughs> uh collided with a dump truck oh. that was northbound on yeah and um the man, I guess, was killed instantly, and the, his female passenger, who was an 86-year-old woman, um, both for, from Calverton, um, was airlifted to Stony Brook. Her uh, injuries were said to not be life-threatening, um, but I guess she might have, I don't know, that she, they airlifted her to Stony Brook. The driver of the dump truck was um, a 26-year-old uh, guy. Um, it was uh, cesspool owned by a cesspool company and um, that actually located on Horton Avenue. Um, and he was taken to the hospital with minor injuries, the police said. Um, we had heard from uh, actually a uh, councilman at the scene was uh, Councilman Frank Bayrod, who uh, he his company uh, grows grass on the sod feed field right there. And his his family has um, two golf courses on Reeves Avenue, Cherry Creek and uh, the woods. And they also operate Stonewalls, a you know, fairly popular restaurant um, on, on Reeves Avenue at, at the um, woods. Um, no, Cherry Creek, sorry, yes. <laughs> golf course. And um, he he came down there because he had heard he heard about this. Apparently, these folks had just been at um a luncheon or something on the Knights of Columbus um at his restaurant and um people who were also with them at and knew them were like right behind them at at, at the stop sign and witnessed this uh so yeah that was horrifying but Craig Bayrod brought up at the town board meeting yesterday that you know hey we need to do something about this and he was asking about putting a four-way stop sign there so Hopefully they do. I mean, there are a number of, you know, roads and intersections all across the region that were just not meant. We've talked about this before. We're not mm -hmm. meant to handle the, the traffic that they see now and um, and, the, and the way people drive now. 
the speeds yeah. and such. There's and, uh, so much high-speed traffic on those north-south yeah. roads between Calverton and Riverhead. Yeah. Yeah. Like Doctor's Pass and um, the one with the flashing light. Yeah, uh, I've, I've, I've witnessed no. several accidents there. Yeah, it's not um, It's so yeah. wide. It's so wide open up there that you just feel yeah. like you want to go. <clears throat> excuse me, you just want to go faster. Yeah. Um, so does and, the town need to do traffic studies? I mean, it just seems like if there's been that many accidents, it's an obvious, obvious thing to do something there. But I know that sometimes. The wheels of government, um, you know, get get kind of clogged up with with different requirements. Are those town roads? Yes, they are. Um, and and uh, I, you know, I don't. So therefore, they're, you know, unless they're looking to change a speed limit, they don't have to get state approval or anything like that. Um, but um, hopefully, you know, it's good that they're talking about it now. I I mean, Reeves Avenue. Like I, I don't know if you've driven on it, but the by, at Roanoke Avenue, the intersection of Reeves and Roanoke, they're not, the, the, the roads are not lined up. So, right. you know, you have to enter Roanoke, which is another road that people are really booking down. And, and um, you know, you have to kind of go to the left to go straight. And it's, it, there's the visibility there is not great, you know. Um, but for one reason or another, there, there seem to be a lot more accidents at the Reeves and Horton intersection. So, well, I don't know, yeah. you know. That we just got a thing this morning, a few minutes ago, that uh, of, a, of a fatal crash in Flanders. I don't know if you saw that, but um, house. Tim Gunn is there. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so, um, well, it's just like I think you know a lot of those roads were were designed and built when when it was just so much more a rural area, and as Beth said, there's just so much more population and traffic now. The the, the traffic is just incredible i think you know it needs to maybe the town just needs to all the towns need to to look at those those intersections and those roadways and and just see what changes they can make oh man well we're full yeah. of glum holidays yeah. this week hey, this has really been upbeat yeah <laughs> sorry everybody <laughs> Well, let's know, uh, well, well, let's talk about pot then. I mean, that's that's enough. <laughs> so, um, somebody was was asking where where all the towns and, and villages are with with opting in and opting out of um, you know of marijuana sales um, you know next year as it's becoming legal. And there was a December thirty first deadline for towns and villages to opt out. And I know that. On the South Fork, anyway, I think the only open question is Southampton Town, which hasn't had a vote yet on, on whether to opt out and um, doesn't look like it's going to. It looks like they're in um, and it looks obvious. And we've talked about the Shinnecock uh, Nation. They're they're going to to be selling legal cannabis on um, on, on their their territory. But it surprised me that all the all the villages on the South Fork have have opted out, as has East Hampton town. Um, and I know Riverhead's still open. Where's, where's, where are the other municipalities at on the North Fork? Uh, Greenport Village has opted out and right. South Hold Town held a public hearing on whether to opt out on Tuesday. They're going to vote on the 28th. Um, right on the wire. Yeah. <laughs> they're having a special meeting to do it, I believe. Um, so how's that, how's that uh, looking? You think they're going to opt out or not? I think so. Yeah. yeah I mean, they can always opt in later. So that's a lot of the thinking. Is it complicated to opt back in? Because I could just see like East Hampton Town opted out. If South Hampton Town opts in, East Hampton is going to start getting really jealous about all the tax revenue that South Hampton Town is making. Um, So I just wonder how, what's the process of opting back in if they've opted out? Do they have to do a referendum? No, I think you just reverse the legislation to opt out. I don't know if there's a time frame on that, if that comes up once a year, if they can do that at any time. The, the question with that, and it was raised uh, you know, during a forum we hosted and, and in a couple articles we've written, is the state's only going to issue so many licenses um, you know, for these places to, to, to sell cannabis. And I, I think that you know, in, in the next year, they're going to quickly um, you know, give out those licenses. So the small, you know, the small companies that would want to open, um, you know, a, a lounge or, or a, a dispensary to, to sell legal cannabis, if they don't have a license and if all those licenses are gone, even if those towns and villages opt back in in, in a year's time frame, 
um, that may leave the small businesses, you know, out in the cold. Yeah. Yeah, I think Southfold will definitely be out. And per your point, Annette, about money, I think it'd be really interesting a year from now to see what kind of money really does come in. Um, right. I way smaller than they think it's going to be. Sure. Yeah. Well, and the town or villages only get a certain um, two or three percent, I think, of. It's not going to be the miracle, the miracle <laughs> income that they were all hoping for. Right. I think Southampton town estimated two million dollars a year, but that may be that may be inflated. And, you know, and, and look, all these towns and villages <clears throat> are going to have to um, they're going to have to spend money on on, you know, resources for the police department as look, I think you're going to have just as many people driving high as you do right now, but, you know, before it being legal. But but there's going to have to be, you know, checks and balances on that and, um, you know, maybe money into social programs to help people who might get in trouble with with that kind of stuff. So, I mean, that taxes, mm -hmm. the taxes would have come in handy. But so um, will this should territory where they be exempt from having to pay certain taxes? They will not have to pay that tax now because they're sovereign money. It's like cigarettes. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, and with, with a lot of towns and villages opting out, I mean, it's, they're they're going to do a brisk business there. I I would assume. Oh my gosh. Yeah. They're just they want everybody to opt out. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And uh, you know, so I guess Denise had brought up uh, before we started uh, recording is, is the the question of. So the places that have opt, that have opted in, uh, for lack of a better term, that didn't opt out, where where are they going to allow these dispensaries and you know and all that? And I know Riverheads um, ahead of the curve working on that right now. Um, they have a committee doing that, but they do, and um, they had their first meeting last week, and um, they were talking. You know, they're mapping places where they want these things to be. To, uh, in a world of double negatives where they don't want these things to be. Um, and by these things, I mean, retail uh, sales shops and uh, cafes. Uh, so, and that would include um, the place, the, the types of places that are singled out in the state law, as well as um, uh, other additional, additional types of locations. So I mean, things like, you know, churches and um, schools, community uh, daycare centers, um, town facilities, parks, et cetera, et cetera. So, and then I guess they're going to talk about what zoning use districts they're going to, um, you know, allow it into. There's some talk that um, they would be limited to industrially, industrially zoned land, industrial districts, which is what they did in, in Brookhaven town uh, over the summer, I think. Um, so, you it know, seems, they're starting that to me that you're, you're going to push this all into industrial zones like, um, and, and I don't, I don't partake in cannabis, but you're pushing like, these are second class citizens go up and in, into this dark warehouse area and, and buy your pot out of view of everybody. Else. Yeah. Um, so we are, we are out of time. Um, we'll have to see more will be revealed on the pot front, I guess. Um, you've been listening to Behind the Headlines. Um, I'm Bill Sutton, Managing Editor of the Express News Group. My co-host, Annette Hinkle, Arts and Living Editor of the Express News Group. Denise Civiletti, Editor and Publisher of Riverhead Local. Steve Wick, Executive Editor of the Times Review Media Group. And Beth Young, Editor and Publisher of the East End Beacon. Um, we're going to be off for a couple weeks, so um, the radio station will provide you with other wonderful content to listen to. Um, thank you for, uh, thank you, Annette, and our guests um, today for another uh, great show. Go.